We left off last week. We left off in chapter 12 as we're going through the book of Genesis. And so I want to once again welcome you to the uh, Sunday morning service here at the River Christian Fellowship. We're doing this a bit different now because of the distress at hand with everybody being isolated. But we want to encourage you to read along with us in your Bible as we get together. You know, we live in really trying times, and I just want to encourage you not to give up, not to lose faith. This is not the end. That God started a work in you, and he's going to complete it. And one of the things we have to remember is that Jesus said that these would be the conditions leading up to the rapture of the church and then going into the great tribulation. No, we're not in the tribulation period yet. But we know that Jesus spoke of the age of sorrows, and I believe that we're beginning to see this. Now, life is different, and who would have ever dreamed that just less than a month ago, this is the way the world would be? rapid changes in the world. So one of the things we want to look at is how God comforts us. You know, it's interesting. We're going through the Bible, chapter 13 of Genesis this morning, and how God provided for Abram and how God picked up where Abram left off. So let's pray. Father, we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word today. And God, that you would comfort every heart listening Lord, once again, we can put our faith, hope, and trust in you, and you've always been good to your promises. And so as we read these words, God, these promises that were made uh, 2,800 years ago, yet, God, are relevant today because we see the nation of Israel in its homeland. And so we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us as we study together in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one of the things we find here in chapter 13, Abraham went down to Egypt. There was a famine in the land. God told Abram to get out of get out of his land, away from his father, away from his relatives, and go to Canaan. And we remember that Abram finally got to Canaan, where he was supposed to be. A famine came up in uh, verse 10 of the preceding chapter. And without direction from God, he goes down to Egypt to weather the storm. Now, God never told him to do that. That's just something that he did. Now, I look at that, interestingly enough, because the first thing he does is he tells his wife, now, when we get down towards Egypt, when somebody asks you who you are, you tell them you're my sister. Uh, otherwise, they'll kill me and take you uh, away. And so Abram uh, tells his wife to lie. Now, the idea was that, yes, it is true that she was his half-sister, But the problem is that he was lying to deceive whoever it was. And in this particular case, it was Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was even warned in a dream. In fact, Pharaoh even rebuked Abram for this kind of behavior. And it's always a a troubling thing when the world rebukes a person who believes in God. I think it's always a, a troubling thing. Again, he was never supposed to be there. How do we know sometimes we're on the wrong road? Well, when you have to start making up lies... Uh, to cover your tracks, I think that that's a, a, a pretty good indication that you're not where God wants you to be. Well, as we go into chapter 13, we find now that God will bring him back right where uh, he departed, where he took off to go to Egypt. God gives him a second chance now. So let's look at this together. This is chapter 13 of Genesis. Then Abram went up from Egypt And he and his wife and all that he had, Lot, with him to the south. 
And Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. And by the way, this is the first time we mention uh, personal wealth in the Bible. So I think it's kind of interesting that he had livestock, silver, and gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been in the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Now, again, this goes back to the picture where uh, he built an altar and met God. And now he goes right back to the same place where he was. You know, that's one of the great things about God is that God will pick us right back up where we left off. Uh, God doesn't want to punish us. He wants to pick us up and say, okay, let's continue on now. So notice again, it says in verse 3, uh, he came back to Bethel, the place where the tent had been in the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. So uh, he, he takes him back to where he departed from what God wanted him to do. Again, going down to Egypt for fear of a famine. Now, there's a lot of things right now that can cause us to fear. Uh, we look at our world, it's absolutely uncertain. We look at our, our own country and all the things that are going on in it. And we realize that a lot of people have come along and said, well, I think this virus is a hoax and it's not really real and it's just uh, media hype and things. Friends, I don't believe that. In fact, I believe if anything, it's the opposite. I think it's much worse than the media is telling us. This virus is a whole lot more aggressive than any flu virus that we've ever known. And so because of that, I believe that, that they're taking these precautionary measures to protect all of us. Now, I know at any time there's protection, it's not a welcome thing. I, I know that oftentimes that you that have uh, children, you say, honey, don't walk too close to the edge or get away from the pool or whatever it might be. Well, that's a real inconvenience for a child. I mean, they want to be by the edge of the pool. They want to be by the, the edge of a cliff. But the thing is, it's for their safety that this has been enacted. And so I believe that, again, God sometimes inconveniences us to protect us. And so never look at uh, at the restraints of God as God being mean to you, but rather that God is protecting you from something you don't know about. And I believe in this particular case, this virus, some people say, well, it's no worse than a, than a cold. Well, that's nice, but for others, it might take your life. Now, as a Christian, I'm not worried about that. I, I know where I'm going. I know my name is in, in heaven. And again, as I shared earlier uh, last week, you know, you need to have your relationship with God right. Not just an intellectual relationship that God exists, But really, you need to know that God loves you personally, and you can know all about God. You can know that Jesus died on the cross. You can know that Jesus died for sins, but never really have accepted that fact into your own life. And until you accept that fact into your own life, the Bible says you're still lost and and, and dead in your sins. And so the deadness is what causes so many bad things in our life, because we look for something that's going to make us feel alive. And so uh, when God comes alive in our heart, we, we, the Bible says you must be born again. Jesus said this to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. So because of this, 
um, God changes the way we look at life. And I, I would pray that he would look at the difference, change the way you look at the difference going on in the world right now. Rather than doom, gloom, and destruction, that we look at this as an opportunity to tell people about the Lord that maybe up to maybe a month ago um, had no use for God. I've got my white picket fence uh, all in, my ducks all in a row, and I've got everything going the way I want it to go. And now all of a sudden, everything's changed. We'll see again, God's not promised this heaven on this earth. He's promised this heaven in heaven. And I pray that's where you're going. And again, the Bible, again, always reminds us about keeping our eye on the eternal prize. There's an old song that said, one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Well, I, I really believe that. And so the Bible tells us he that wins souls is wise. Those that are involved in their father's kingdom. And again, we're not talking here. Uh, if you're new to the broadcast, you're new to the River Christian Fellowship, we're not talking about religion. You know, the do's and don'ts, the suits and ties, the the uh, punching the time clock for Jesus, uh, all the things that many times we think that uh, impresses God. But God's already been appeased by what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, and the debt was paid in full. Now all I can, all I I, I get to do is enjoy being uh, having a father-child relationship with God, not religion. Not that, oh God, you know, I'm going to say, say so many prayers and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Maybe I'll get your attention and maybe you'll do something for me. No, not at all. God's already been in peace. Now I can just be his child. Where Paul in the Bible says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, you crawl up in your daddy's lap. And I, I share that so often, but it's the exact opposite of what religion is. The hierarchy, the, the, the religious junket, all that stuff that's out there. All God wants to have with you is a relationship like a father would have with their child. And so that's a great thing to simply let God do that and bless you and heal you because this is the way God wants it to be. So God brings Abram back to the place where the train went off the tracks, where he went to Egypt, back to the same altar, back to the same place where he'd camped before, and there he meets God. Well, you know, when God begins to, when we're, when we're back in alignment with God, God begins to work again in our life. Now you'll notice here in verse five, Lot also who went with Abram had flocks, herds, and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might not dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. I mean, they were running over each other, you know, Fights over water, fights over toilet paper. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, they couldn't dwell together. Now, this is what is really interesting. And here, once again, and I believe as you look at the life of Abram, as we go through this, you're going to see a change in Abram's faith believability towards God. I believe that we grow in our faith. I would like to say that the minute we accept Christ as our Savior, we get everything there is to get. I don't really find that in the Bible. I find that that our salvation is secure in Christ, but we grow in faith. Uh, we see the the successes that God has got us through in the past, knowing that he's going to be faithful to us in the future. And I think that's really important because, uh, again, God is always faithful. So Lot, Abram, his um, nephew, they couldn't dwell together. 
They both have been blessed by God. There were so many of them, they couldn't dwell in the same area together. And so this brings about a point of impasse. What are we going to do about that? Well, notice it says, And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram, livestock, and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And the Canaanites and the Prezites then dwelled in the land. Now, this is kind of an unusual part of a verse here that the Canaanites and the Prezites began to dwell in the land. Now, evidently, because uh, Abram and his, his family, Lot and his family were there, that this might have attracted the attention of those people that were local to the area and said, hey, you know, as a matter of fact, this is kind of good land here. And they were preoccupied by their infighting to recognize probably that they were kind of slowly being invaded here. Well, it tells us in verse 8, So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. And by the way, I think always taking the high road is, is God's way. You know, instead of, Get away from me, Lot, you bum. You know, he didn't do that. He, he just said, Hey, uh, it, it's, it's too big for us. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we're too big for this area. You know, we got a problem here and, and let there not be strife between us. Is not the whole land before you, verse nine, please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left. This, I believe, was a real act of faith on behalf of Abram. Because again, he's saying, you know, I'm going to let God decide this. And whatever you choose, I'll go the opposite way. Friends, that's a lot of faith. You know, for somebody just in the chapter before that was telling his wife to lie because he was afraid that he was going to get killed and Sarah would become one of Pharaoh's wives, we see a real growth here in Abram in his relationship, not only with God, but with fellow, with his fellow brethren. And I believe that's always going to be the result. When you grow with your relationship with God, you're always going to grow in your ability to have relationship with other people. Uh, a lot of times people try to do it backwards. Well, I'll just get real good at being a, a, a correspondent with, with people around me and, and you know, then I'll try to talk. To, no, get your relationship with God first uh, and then God will add all the other things unto you. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be added unto you. So he says, it's not the whole land before you. No, it's a big place. We don't all have to be camping on top of each other here. You go right, I'll go left. You go left, I'll go right. You decide. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord and like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zoar. So, um... Notice two things here. First thing is that Lot lifted up his eyes. I think that's always a dangerous place to be when we try to make the decisions ourselves. You know, the Bible tells us there's three things that will destroy a person. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those three things. And Lot lifted up his eyes. So first of all, we have Lot lifting up his own eyes. The second thing is, 
he responds to what he sees. It's like a well-watered garden, like the Lord's garden. By the way, this area today in, in the land of Canaan, the land of Israel, is a desert. Now, friends, uh, global warming has been going on ever since, ever since the flood. And uh, we find this widening band of desert that uh, has gripped northern Africa. It has gripped many places of the world. In fact, what's kind of noteworthy at the time of Jesus and thereabouts, northern Africa was really the San Joaquin Valley of, of like the San Joaquin Valley in America. It's where a lot of their crops were grown, where their wheat was grown to keep this huge army, to keep their nation together. But by about the end of the Roman Empire, the climate had changed so much that it now was desert. And, and thus it continues to grow. The desert continues to grow even to this day. So, uh, the, the, the environment that was before the flood, after the flood has been changing ever since the flood. And this is why I have trouble with uh, a lot of the global warming people that are out there. In fact, I heard one of the kooky news networks say, well, the uh, coronavirus is a direct result of global warming. That is absolutely a lie. There is no proof. And these people come up with this stuff. They spout it off. People believe it. And it's a lie. Climate change has been going on ever since the flood. And we have a good illustration of it right here where it says that Lot picked towards Sodom and Gomorrah. They know where that city is today. And as it is in, it is in the desert. So uh, it changed. And it's been changing again ever since the flood. So looking at this scientifically, we find that we can not only understand that, but it's also provable. And it says that he went towards uh, uh, Sodom. <clears throat> then Lowe's chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from one another. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities in the plain, and pitched his tent as far as Sodom. Now, at this time, Sodom had not moved in to Sodom. Uh, he was on the outskirts of this wicked city, as it says in the next verse. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Now, you got to remember, there was a number of years that went by. I, I always look at, at this as, uh, as important because God didn't bring an immediate judgment upon Sodom. It says here they were exceedingly wicked, but the judgment of God didn't follow for years later. And I always look, a lot of times people say, well, you know, I've been out sinning, nothing's happened to me. I guess God's uh, not real. No, God's merciful. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between interpreting God's waiting for a person to repent and interpreting is in that God doesn't care. God cares a lot. In fact, the Bible says that because of men's behavior, it defiles the land. You know, the Bible, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, go take care of the earth. And I believe when a relationship with God goes away, I believe that then we take advantage a lot of times of God's uh, resources that are around us, whether it be land or 
or um, resources on the land or whatever. In other words, not to just rape the land to get anything you want out of it and move on, but we're to be caretakers of this earth. And so in that regard, I do agree that we need to be careful with what we do. But the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were wicked here, and we'll find out what happens to them as we move up in a few more chapters here. And the Lord said to Abram, verse 14, after Lot had separated from him. Now notice this, this is important. After Lot had separated from him. You say, well, why is that important? Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter 12 and the original commission that God gave to Abram, it says, get out of your country, from your kindred, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and bless you and make your name great. Now he says, get out of your country and from your kindred. Lot was his kindred, okay? So we have to understand that. Once Abram did what God told him to do, now notice God speaks to him again. He got rid of the the problem that was in the way. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. If you like to uh, underline things in your Bible, I would put after Lot had separated from him. It's like now God can say, now that this is taken care of, now we can get on with the rest of the rest of the directive that I have for you. Now notice this. God said to him, Abram, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever. Now, again, this is an eternal promise. It's land allocated by God to Abraham forever. I can't stress this enough that Israel is in their homeland this morning. Isn't that amazing? God kept his promise. They went through so many things, wandered all over the world, were dispersed among the nations, and we find, just as Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, that Jerusalem would be trodden time of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Jerusalem is completely under Jewish control, and thanks to our president, recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, the eternal city. Isn't it amazing that God's word stays true? Now, why am I bringing this out? If God said, I'm giving it to you forever, and we see that it is in the hands of Abraham's descendants today, the promises of God are for you. And I think that's really important how God uh, divinely, um, against all odds, against coronavirus or against wars or any other thing, keeps his promises. God said, Abram, I'm going to give this land to you and to your descendants forever. Well, again, we have the proof of it right now as we look at a map and we look at Israel. And I think that's really amazing that when God lifted up Abram's eyes, he said, now you lift up your eyes. Now, remember earlier, as we read before, and Lot lifted up his eyes. You see, God wants us to see but he wants us to see his way. 
You see, seeing God is really important in the days that we live in. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You need to see God daily in your life. Now, many times in the Bible, seeing God was through faith. But sometimes seeing God was through events. We remember the burning bush. Again, as we studied, God uh, allowed this bush to be burned. Now, that didn't concern, uh, that didn't really concern Moses. But it's when the bush didn't burn up, it just kept burning and burning and burning and burning. And oftentimes in the desert, electrical storms will come through, strike a sagebrush, and you'll see it burning and it burns out. Sometimes it can cause a range fire. But the thing is, this bush didn't burn up. I got Moses' attention. He walks over. And God spoke to him out of the bush. Take off your sandals. Where you stand is holy ground. And God gives him the directive to go set his people free. But imagine Moses not noticing that bush that was burning. I wonder how many times God has anomalies in our lives that we look at and go, hmm, well, that's something you don't see every day and pass by it. So as a child of God, you want to begin to see things through God's eyes. Oftentimes, the things God has for us are not, ooh, I just won the lottery, whoopee-doo. But sometimes it might be that God will show you something, someone in a store, something that, that, that sticks out to you, that could be God speaking to you. You want to pray about those things. Just like Moses saw a burning bush. God will show you things and seeing through your father's eyes. Now again, blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. Now there's a lot of people. The pure in heart is that you're singularly focused upon God's kingdom. There are those that say, you know, wow. Look at the lock that somebody left unlocked on that storage building over there. Hey, now that not, that's an anomaly, but that's not from God. Let's go, let's go break in and steal stuff. Let's take the lock off and steal stuff. Blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. See, there's going to be events in our lives, supernaturally, from either the devil or, or from God. But when you're pure in heart, you're going to see that as an opportunity for God to use you in a situation where he himself, if he could be there, he would do it. And that's one of the great things. Thy kingdom come, Jesus said. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he separates himself from Lot. And now we find God now giving him the promise of the land. See, God didn't want to do this because Lot was distant from God. Though he was his relative and Lot loved him, it doesn't say that he was a believer. And so he says, lift up your eyes. I'm going to give this to your descendants forever. And I will make of your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then they could number your descendants also could not be numbered. He's saying your descendants are going to be like, like the particles of dust in the earth. They're going to be everywhere. Now this goes back again, reiterating to Abram, what God said to him in chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. And so, again, he brings him back after his little detour through Egypt, brings him back to, to where he originally met him in the 
in, in Canaan at the, at the altar that he made. And then he brings him back and says, okay, let's get this going. Verse 17. Arise. By the way, you're going to find that a lot in the Bible. Uh, this puts feet to your faith. When God says, get up and go. <laughs> we got to do that. You know, it's like... Uh, Somebody say, well, I need a job, and you know, God, I'm just going to sit here in my chair, eating my, uh, my, my, my little chippies and, and watching TV. And if you want me to have a job, you just cause that phone to ring right there, and we'll get on with it. No, arise. You must always put feet to your faith. Never in a sinful way, but that, that when God says to do something, we do it. So he says, arise, walk the land. And through it, its length, its width, and I will give it to you. Just imagine, wherever you put your foot, Abraham, is yours and your descendants forever. Boy, I, I'd be walking a lot, man. I'd be out there trucking all over the place, um, setting up boundary cones. Because basically, that's what God was telling him to do. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt in the Tiberneth trees near Mamre, which are in Hebrew... Which is, excuse me, which are in Hebron and built an altar there before the Lord. Now, Abram begins to realize that he's not going to be able to do what God wants him to do unless he walks with God. You're not going to be able to do what you want to do either unless you walk with God. Just not. Because life is bigger than we are. Now, I think. Right now, there's a lot of people in the last few weeks that have come to the understanding, in fact, life is bigger than they are. You know, it's really funny. I uh, remember back in the, in the Cold War when uh, Russia was building um, nuclear launch, missile launches in, in Cuba. And thus the name the Cuban Missile Crisis came. Fidel Castro, a complete anarchist nut. Uh, anybody that says anything good about Fidel Castro simply is either ignorant of history or deliberately trying to deceive you. Fidel Castro was a murdering thug. And he wanted to threaten the peace of the United States. And I remember the last time I saw the shelves empty was when I was a little boy going into the store and the shelves were empty. And I remember the threat of nuclear war and I remember my mom there was a there was a box boy, a bus boy there uh, stocking the shelves. What few things they had, he's taken out of the box. And my mom says, "Tell me, if we get into a nuclear war, what's going to be hard to find?" And the uh, guy stocking the shelves said, "People, lady, that's true." Well, you know what's interesting is that who's the, it's hard to believe that America economically, and they're saying this, this could lead to a global depression now. Not an atomic bomb, you know, not a, a, not a, a, a stockade or a, a blockade blocking uh, supplies from a country. This was caused by a microscopic bug, coronavirus. Many people believe it was a, a manufactured bug. I, I have a tendency to lean towards that because of, of what it targets and what it does. But regardless whether it was man-made or it's just part of our fallen planet, I believe life is bigger than we are. 
And you better have a God bigger than you are. And you better have a God bigger than, than this if you're going to get through it. You know, I think a lot of times God allows things to happen to us, not to hurt us, not to punish it, punish us, but, but to say, where does your hope lie? Is it in stocks and bonds? You say, well, I, I've got a whole sack of silver dollars under my bed. That's great. Providing there's something to buy with it, you might be in luck. But you need something bigger. You need something bigger. And that's the place where we're at. And I believe not just in the last few weeks, but I I believe we've been there all along. We just didn't recognize it. We just weren't seeing through God's eyes. I believe a lot of people are like Lot. They lifted up their eyes. They saw what they wanted to see. They didn't see the dangers involved. But when we are in faith, when we trust in God, when we walk in faith, I believe then God lifts up our eyes and lets us see what's really going on and lets us see that there's a lot of hurting people around us. A lot of people that don't know God don't have a God. Their God was their dollar. Their God was their job. Their God was their family. Their God was something else. Only to see it shaken or in many conditions already crumbled. And I believe this is part of why we're saved. This is why when we, when we get saved, we don't immediately go to heaven. God left us here. Why is that? Because God has left it up to human beings to communicate the message of the gospel. It was through man that man sinned and sold us all into slavery. Jesus Christ reversed what Adam did in the garden, the second Adam. But then he entrusts us to preach the gospel to every creature. It's called the Great Commission. That great commission is for you today. That's where you're going to find your value. That's where you're going to find your worth. And if you do anything less than serving God, it will always be a a, a shortcoming, um, unfulfilling experience. Because you were designed for better things. You were designed for much better things. It's like putting uh, wax on an old rusty bike. You know, that wax was really designed for a new car. You were designed for something far greater than rust. And I'd invite you today to consider Jesus. In this time that we live in, and if you're a Christian, you've been distant from God, the, you've been like Lot, lifting up your eyes, your own eyes, to what you want, rather than letting God lift up your eyes to what he wants to give you. This morning, I would just invite you to pray. And we're going to pray right now, and you can ask Christ in your life. You know, I I don't believe I would be doing you service or God service by um, leaving the program without without giving you an opportunity to receive Christ. So we're going to pray right now. And if you'd like to get right with God, you just pray this. It's it's a prayer that is based out of several things that happen in the Bible. But it's where you say, okay, God, I'm done living for myself. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me gave me a brand new start. And now from this day forward, I want to live for him. And you feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit, the sins you've done, the things you know you're not right, that dirty feeling that you get that you try to shower off and you can't. That's what God wants to to clean you. And that's one of the great things God does. And something only God could do. Uh, No psychologist can do it. No no, uh, uh, religion can do it. 
It's only something that Jesus Christ does. The Bible says he washes away our sins. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I invite you into my life today. I recognize that I have sinned, and Lord, I don't want to sin anymore. So I ask you now to forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins, and so wash me clean. Take away the guilt. Help me live for you each day. And Father, if I fall short, thank you for forgiving me in the future. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I'll have boldness and love to talk to people about you. And thank you for writing my name in your book of life. I get to live with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that welcome to God's family. It doesn't end here. This is where it starts. You want to read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, write us. I'll send you one. It's got a little book called Time to Grow. I'll give you one of those. It covers the basics of Christianity. If you're in the southern Idaho area, we'll have a baptism once we can get in groups of gathering again. You can get baptized. Baptism is not necessary for salvation. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. And, and, and so you can be baptized and be in Christian fellowship. Be around people who love Jesus. Your old funky friends that would say, hey, let's go get stoned. Let's go get loaded. Hey, let's party down. And you wake up in the morning and your car's wrecked and, and uh, your wallet's gone and all that kind of stupid stuff. No more. You, you, you got a new reason to live now. You got a reason to live for him. And so this, this morning, let God bless you. Let God heal you. Let God restore you. Put yourself in the place where God will bless you. Remember, blessed are the pure in heart. That means undiluted by the things of the world, singularly focused upon God, and you'll see God. And when you see God, you respond. Father, for every person listening this morning, may you just encourage us. May we be about your business. May you not give us a spirit of fear, but boldness and a sound mind in these days. And we trust you for the very best in the days ahead. Open doors of opportunity. Lord, the whole world's changed as we know it. But God, you never change. And so our, may our faith, hope, and trust always be in you. And may we rest in that peace. In Jesus' name, amen. So the next, until the next time we're together, probably the next video chat Sunday morning, may the Lord keep you, bless you. Don't fear. Remember, see through God's eyes. You'll be blessed. God bless you.